Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Kind of Funny X-Cast, your home for all things Xbox. I'm one of your hosts, Mike, and I'm back with my two favorite dudes here on Planet Earth, my guy Paris Lilly and Gary Witta for another week of Xbox Talk. Let's start off with you, Paris, because we didn't see you last week. How are you, my friend? I'm good, and uh, apparently you do spend $70 billion to keep things the same. You know what? We're going to talk about that because I have that quote literally written down for you. Is right. You know that. Oh Paris. my God! My social feed has been on fire all week with that. Oh, I thought you didn't spend billion dollars to do that. <laughs> all right. Well, you know what? The social media Twitter feed got to it before I did because I wrote that down as our fun little topic. But yeah. we'll talk about that a little bit later. Some interesting exclusivity and maybe multi-platform talk we'll have with Activision Blizzard. But let's go on over to number two. My guy, the rogue one, Mr. Gary Witter, Mr. Loodle, almost hitting 3 million yes. players. Is that correct, Gary? Almost. We passed it this morning. Wow. Oh, congrats. congrats, Gary. That's yeah. awesome, my three, friend. I don't know the exact number in front of me, but yeah, 3 million and change and uh, 400,000 playing every every day. So it's it's, wow. it's crazy. Yeah. Talk about it's, some it's, high player numbers there, Paris. You get what I'm talking about for the next <laughs> conversation piece we have? Some daily concurrent players for Gary up on the rise. Gary, I also saw you tweet out, you know, Futurama is possibly coming back. And I saw you talking about that on the timeline. Did you write an episode of Futurama? What the heck is that, Gary? No, only, only on spec. It's funny. I've just, for some reason, I've been kind of thinking about like old projects and, and things that, you know, never came to fruition. Like 95% of everything that I do and everything that every screenwriter does, you know, never sees the light of day. For like everything of mine that you see, there's 50 things that, you know, almost as much work went into, but, you know, never made it across the finish line for one reason or another. And um, in terms of Futurama, that's been back in the conversation really because he said Hulu picked up the rights and they're going to reboot it, I guess, or you know, bring it back in some form. And um, it just got me thinking, I, I was already thinking about like old projects this week for some reason. I've been kind of in a nostalgic frame of mind. And it reminded me that way, way back at the very, very beginning of my screenwriting career when I was still trying to break in, I did write an episode on spec of, of Futurama in, uh, in the hopes of uh, kind of getting in the door there. And uh, I did get to sit in on a Futurama table read and meet the cast members and do all that kind of stuff. The episode never got made, but um, I went back and uh, found it. It was almost 20 years old, this episode, but wow. it, was, uh, it was fun to kind of revisit some writing from the, from the very early stages of my career. Gary, I love when you get nostalgic and you share some of those moments with us. You've done that a couple of well, times. Well, I got a lot of it. And you and I've been connected. I, don't, I, I love don't know that. If, I don't know if you've if you've heard, Mike, but I'm pretty old, and that <laughs> one of the good one of the good sides of that is there's a lot of nostalgia, just a, just a lot of acreage oh, of, of memories. You're the can, best. Can I say one thing? Since you brought up Futurama, if they don't figure this out with John DiMaggio, just just can the whole thing. What's the point? 
exactly there if you go. can't have the voice i mean he is futurama i mean he does so many voices even besides bender on that show if you can't get the original cast it had a perfect ending don't don't do this i hope they yeah. don't do it i hope, hope this is just a contract negotiation thing they'll figure it out and he's on board i would love to see it come back because i'm a huge fan but yeah, you can't do it they, they were able to like uh convince the execs to bring back the original voices for the animaniacs when they brought back the Animaniacs, they originally wanted mm. that to be like Hollywood stars to come back and uh, to come in and like do new voices for those characters, and that's in, that's insane to me. And so like, I don't, like they got to figure it out. It's money. Um, yeah. It's got to be money. But I'm also in the camp that uh, I I really loved the the last time that they ended the uh, the show, uh, and I, mm. I felt like that was a fitting way to end yeah, that story with great. those characters. Uh, so I'm in the camp of like I don't I don't think we need more, but I'll, I'll take some more. But you know, we'll see. Of course, shout out to our producer, Barrett, on the ones and twos. Welcome, and Barrett Courtney. It's great to hear your voice for another week and have some fun talking some Xbox. But guys, I wanted to kick off this week's show. Before we get into housekeeping and before we get into the news, really quick, just going around. It's a nice catch-up. What kind of games have you been playing? What have you been up to? Because I want to talk Crossfire X, but I want to kick it over to you guys first before we jump in to that conversation. So Paris Lily, you're back again. I started with you. I'm going to end with you again. What's been up in your life? What games have you been playing? I've been playing Redacted. That's what okay, I've been playing. Redacted is good. Redacted. <laughs> well, actually, actually, I can say it. Um, I've been playing Horizon Forbidden West, and obviously, we can't say anything until the embargo's up. But that's that's been consuming me the last couple of weeks. That's the only thing I've been playing. Uh, that's a perfect tie-in. Of course, we can encourage all of our viewers out there. No matter what console you like to play on, you love good games. You can check out the review for Horizon Forbidden West with the team here at Kind of Funny, the Kind of Funny Games Cast will be recorded and ready to go on Embargo, so you can go check out the thoughts from the team on their playthrough of this awesome game. Gary Witta, have you been playing any games lately, then? Uh, also Redacted, okay. and uh, nice. I'll just, I'll just nice, leave it at nice. that. I always worry about these embargoes and NDAs. Like, you don't want to accidentally, <laughs> like, step over the line even, you know, inadvertently, so I'll just leave it at Redacted. Uh, I can tell you what's on deck for this weekend. Ollie Ollie World. I'm going to finally get yeah, to that. Yeah, Very good. excited about Ollie Ollie World. Um, and there's a game on Nintendo Switch, which I'm going to get the name of it wrong. I think it's like Derailed, um, but it's apparently, apparently very fun. It's kind of like an overcooked, moving out kind of co-op game, but, you, but nice. you're trying to build a railroad track like cooperatively in real time. And I'm told it's a lot of fun, so I'm going to investigate that. Oh, uh, is it well. called Unrailed? Unrailed, yes, yeah, there you on. go. Cool. I, got a, I got a little gameplay here for you. Oh, you got a you got a little uh, little preview. Barrett is like not messing around nice right here for all the listeners nice. out there. I'm sorry you don't get to see the trailer that Barrett has brought up, but it is very cool looking. Definitely uh, worth the check out there. I, I yeah, so you can see how like the four players are kind of cooperating to kind of build the track so the train can kind of stay mm -hmm. on it. It's um, it's definitely from what I've told by my friends who've been playing it this week. It's got that overcooked you know kind of energy to it, but it's not quite as like screaming at each other as as that so it looks like a lot of fun i want to check it out oh cool. all right well these two have been playing redacted they have some games on the docket i actually jumped in to the big release of the week that's crossfire x finally has released over here for the month of february and of course this was one of the big games that they promoted as a partnered game right of course partnering up with smilegate entertainment and it's interesting because you have the multiplayer side that's by Smilegates, right? But then on the opposite side, they brought in Remedy to create two campaigns for this first-person shooter. So let's focus on the multiplayer side for a second really quick. A couple of months back, maybe a year ago, we got exposed to Crossfire X. We got to jump in 
a little bit on a open beta, we'll call it. And I remember walking out going, ooh, that was not fun at all. This was really bad to play. And I wonder how they can turn this around. And also, what is Remedy going to do with what we just saw from this gameplay? Uh, unfortunately, I am not happy to announce that the multiplayer is still really bad. It is clunky. It's non-responsive. It feels and plays poorly. And the issue as well is it's dealing with a lot of bugs, whether you're aiming down sights and it's pulling you back. The slide just isn't quite right. And really the game modes itself, it's a mix of Counter-Strike meets Call of Duty in probably a poorly executed way here for the American audience that's just being exposed to it. I know it's big out in Korea and the Asia markets. It's actually created in South Korea. So it seems to be big, but from my experience, the multiplayer, probably worth an hour of your time to laugh and giggle with your friends and say, what are we playing? But past that, it was hard to play this multiplayer. But I do want to shed some positive light on this, and that is the campaign developed by Remedy. Over on the opposite side, you get two campaigns. One is included in your Game Pass subscription, so that's awesome. You get to check that out. And then the second one is actually part of the Ultimate Bundle if you buy the game. And there is one little caveat to the positive I'm about to put out on this, is the Game Pass launcher, when it was announced on Wednesday, just didn't have the campaign open and ready to go. Actually, 24 hours later, it still didn't have the campaign open and ready to go. A lot of players were trying to figure out what was going on, what was the issue. I believe they have fixed that now as we record this live on Friday. But you have two campaigns, Operation Catalyst and Operation Spectre, and they actually roll into one another. So you'll start off with Catalyst into Spectre. And I'm going to say it. It's a fun time. It is a good to find first-person shooter campaign created by Remedy. Remedy's, I believe, first-person shooter campaign they've ever done. And it is a good time. It has a lot of the Remedy vibe and touches that you like. There's a cool narration part to it. There's some really freaky slow-mo and mind-tripping moments that are going to make you question what's going on. And then on top of that, they do a great job within this four-person squad jumping from character to character to give you different points of views and different gameplay angles throughout these missions and I'm happy to say the campaign's only three hours so it is just a fun popcorn experience for one night get in get out and you can move on to the second one but I was actually really impressed it runs on a different engine than the multiplayer so it actually feels good it runs smooth it plays well the visuals are good and the facial animations are pretty better decent to very good I would call it better than good and I was actually impressed with the campaign I really really liked it I thought it had a fun and weird first-person shooter story. I think we talk about first-person shooters as just these big blockbuster, over-the-top action films, and that's essentially what this is in just a tight three-hour segment. So I am really pleased with that. I'm going to give it a good-to-fine grade over here on the grading scale. And we'll talk about our new reviews, but guys, have you two tried it, or do you have any questions about Crossfire X at all? I am Mike, not you... Go ahead, Gary. No, go no, ahead. Paris, you go. No, I was just going to say, I have not played it at all. I've just seen, you know, kind of the uh, response from the community about the multiplayer. Mm -hmm. So you yeah. kind of confirm that uh, the campaign so far from everything I've seen other people saying is pretty mixed. Some people seem to really like it. Some people don't. You seem to kind of lean towards more more liking it. I guess I'm a little confused on what you're saying about there's a campaign in Game Pass, but then there's a campaign if you get the bundle. It's That's just the one campaign you're, you're saying, So right? there, there's two it's two campaigns. So there's really? Operation Catalyst okay. and then Operation ah, okay. Spectre that are two separate campaigns, but they flow 
into one another with the story because Remedy did mm. both of them. But they're only giving you one out of the two in Game Pass. So you will have to buy the second one to continue on with the story of what Remedy has created there. Gotcha. And okay. that's 24 bucks. So it is a little bit high. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, it's 24 bucks. You got to get with the Ultimate Edition. But, you know, I, I liked the first one to the point where I'm going to jump into the second one. But uh, I did pay the $24 because day one, I wanted to see what was going on. So we could talk about it on Game Pass or on XCast. So I was already in. Gotcha. Mike, you did not uh, mince your words when you talked about this game on Twitter earlier this week. You, the, <laughs> you said the multiplayer was trash, capital letters, trash. Trash. And yeah, now that you're talking about these bugs, I can, I can certainly understand why. And it's got me scratching my head a little bit. Like, why, why ship a buggy game at this moment, right? Like, mm. first of all, we know there's so little tolerance for that right now. We're so sick of buggy games. Um, and, you know, we're, that's why we're so understanding when, when we hear about games being delayed. We'd rather they take the time to get it right. And I, I still don't think it's excusable, but I kind of understand it at least like games with the big holiday, you know, shopping, gift giving window, why some of those games end up getting rushed out, maybe with a few bugs. I can understand at least the pressure that the company's under to get that game out, you know, maximize sales. But it's February. And it's not only February, it's a meat grinder February. There's so many other like great games coming out this month. Why, why, who made the decision to say, you know what, this game's not ready, but let's, but let's release it into a meat grinder release month anyway. Like, why not just wait a couple of months? They must've known the bugs were there if they're that glaring and obvious to you, Mike, as you're playing it, like QA would have picked that up. Um, you know, why not spend the time fixing it on the, on the, on the positive side, the camp, the campaign sounds good. That was the one part where you were always optimistic about, right? Based on remedies involvement. Um, and I personally like the three hour thing. Uh, yeah. you know, my time's valuable. The idea of, you know, being able to bash out a complete campaign in, in a night, maybe two that appeals to me. So I'm going to try the campaign, but, uh, yeah, the multiplayer sounds, it's not like there aren't other options out there right now. If you want to do multiplayer shooters, there's so many, so many options. So the, the multiplayer side of it has got, has got me scratching my head, but I'll try the campaign. Yeah, give it a try, Gary. See what you think. Like I said, three hours. It's got the remedy touch and the vibe to it that I think you're going to like. And being on a different engine, you can clearly tell yeah. that the game runs and plays better. It, that's, that's puzzling. That's puzzling yeah, as well, it, right? It, Why yeah. do that? I mean, I'm not a game developer. It seems like a really inefficient way to do it. Two separate engines. I think that says a lot, though, about mm -hmm. the struggles that you're seeing with the multiplayer. The fact that Remedy was like, <laughs> we'll just use a completely different engine <laughs> to do the campaign. So it's it's unfortunate because I know early on there was a lot of anticipation and excitement for Crossfire X. And then obviously, you know, there was the beta stuff that didn't land well, which was kind of an early warning sign about this multiplayer. And then it comes in hot and it's just not ready for prime time. So, yeah, everything I've seen about everyone say is pr pretty much only negative towards this. Almost like, a hey, if it's on Game Pass, you want to try it, go for it. But beyond that, not necessarily worth the buy. Yeah, that's exactly where it should be at right there. Um, it was interesting that we talked so much about it in previous years, and then now here we are, really minimal marketing, no publicity right. towards this at all. And we kind of put that under the roof. And even reviews you saw from multiple different outlets saying, hey, we didn't get review codes. We're going to review it day one. That might be a red flag for you. So yeah, I mean, it really, like I said, especially releasing it in the month that they did with like Elden Ring and so many other big games coming out in this window and so much competition already in the shooter space it almost kind of feels like they sent this one out to die yeah 100 percent. that's exactly what it looks like like you said there was so little marketing around it like i didn't even realize it was out until yeah, i saw right? people start talking about it and then like you said to just throw it into this murderer's row of games that are coming out over the next few weeks yeah they they did send it out to die absolutely
Well, let's jump into the show and let's have some fun. Of course, this is the Kind of Funny X-Cast. We post each and every Saturday at 6 a.m. West Coast, Best Coast time on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games, RoosterTeeth.com, and on podcast services around the globe. Don't forget that we are now Epic Games Partners, which means if you are rocking Fortnite, getting some V-Bucks, or if you're jumping into Rocket, Rocket League, or if you're buying games off the Epic Games Store, please use our Epic Creator Code at checkout. It's no additional cost to you. and You can help support the team in a brand new way. That Epic Creator Code is kind of funny. Of course, we'd like to thank our Patreon producers who support us over on Patreon for the month of February. Gordon McGuire, James Davis, at James Davis Makes, Prankski, Tyler Ross, Delaney Twinning, First Responder ND, Julian the Gluten-Free Gamer, James Hastings, and Casey Andrews. Now, we'd like to thank our sponsor for the week of the Kind of Funny X-Cast, ExpressVPN and Chime, but myself and the team will tell you all about that a little later. Guys, let's jump into the news, and I wanted to kick off the news with a fun one. All right, let's take it back to the Xbox One days, okay? I want you to imagine. What's awesome fun about that? Final <laughs> Fantasy Jabroni. He's got Beats by Dre headphones on, and he's just called down a giant dragon. Yes, it's Scalebound, Gary Witta. And the question is, is do you want Scalebound to return? Right now, IGN's got a really fun article up from IGN.com by Daniel Robson and Joe Scrabbles. It reads like this. Platinum Games wants to return to Scalebound, the Dragonfield Xbox exclusive. It canceled in 2017 and has appealed to Microsoft Gaming CEO Phil Spencer to begin those discussions. Speaking to IGN Japan, Platinum, Platinum President uh, Tashi Inaba, I'm going to mispronounce these names, explained that Scalebound creator Hideki Kamiya, quote, has been talking about wanting to work on Scalebound again for a while, end quote. Kamiya uh, himself added, quote, I'd like to appeal to Phil Spencer directly. Let's do it, Phil, end quote. Paris and Gary, I'll ask you both first. I'll go to you, Gary Witta. Are you interested in Scalebound whatsoever? And would you like to see Scalebound return? I mean, in the in the 60 seconds since I've ever heard of Scalebound, yeah, it sounds pretty <laughs> cool. But I, it's the funny, I, 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 this is weird. It's like a weird blind spot. I've never heard of this game. Was this like a really? well-known game or something? Oh, I wow. This game completely missed me. I, I had oh, no wow. idea what, I mean, I'm seeing a dude with some, some, some beats by Dre and he's got a dragon. It yep. looks, I mean, it looks cool. But I, I I completely missed this game on its first go around. I don't I don't know how I missed it. Well, Parasol, you took to Twitter to talk about this. You had a, a gaming hot take. So let, let's go to you because I know you know what this is. This was like a weird like fans got up in an uproar about Scalebound. Like, what what do you think about Scalebound? Well, see, I I remember. Okay, and and I admit I was a little harsh on Twitter, but <laughs> but I I stand by what I said. I said on Twitter that. I go, I've never had interest in Scalebound and don't bring it back. I, I don't see the reason to even mm -hmm. re, re, you know, to reinvest in this, to go back to it. Cause I remember, you know, being at the Xbox showcase at whatever E3 that was sitting in the crowd. And when they showed it initially, it just never grabbed me. I, I, it never, I get the dragons, you know, Falcor, never ending story. People get excited about stuff like that, but I saw this game and it never, truly appealed to me and when it got canceled i just kind of was like okay kind of makes sense to me because i again it didn't appeal to me so to now come back in 2022 and say hey let's start this thing all over again and reinvest into it eh, kind of almost feel like you know better better use of resources maybe a different ip maybe a different concept unless they're just going to completely tear this down and rebuild it from the ground up but 
at the same time, just like Gary is saying, the the name Scalebound doesn't generate excitement, in my personal opinion. Now, look, people roasted me on, online because I said what I said. I get it. But I don't think there's enough of a want from the community for a Scalebound game. I, I, I just don't. I don't think that name appeals to anyone because we never got a game. So why now, what, what six, seven years later, should I all of a sudden get excited about it? That's yeah, I, you, you, I was gonna say you, you see you see that all the time, don't you? With like films and televisions and video games, like something that was popular and you know maybe it got canceled before its time or whatever, or you know a video game series that you know what for whatever it wasn't super commercially successful at the time, but there remains like a lot of you know fan, um, you know sentimentality, like goodwill, nostalgia. People are like, oh, wouldn't it be? Yeah, you know, we it's the same games that come up all the time. Right? Oh, wouldn't it be great if this came back or that came back? We talk about these games all the time. But sometimes games just, you know, this, this feels more like one of those games where like it had its day in court, you know, the, the, the audience d decided that, that it wasn't for them and they said next. And see, like, like don't, don't try to force bringing something back for the sake of it. You, there's got to be a desire. When, you, when you're resurrecting something, it's got to be, it's got to be because there's both a clear creative and commercial argument to be made for it. And I, I don't know if there is one in this case. Yeah, I, I don't think so. That would be like me you know, clamoring for true fantasy online. That was an original Xbox game. It was going to be a MMO RPG and that got canceled, right? I, you start screaming that in 2022, we were looking like, what? <laughs> Who wants that? You know, do something different. You know, there's so many other ideas out there that you, you can invest into versus trying to resurrect something that already failed once, right? Very well said right there. I guess a follow-up just to keep the conversation going a little bit more. We always talk about Xbox in the east right getting a foothold in the east working with certain developers you look at platinum games who now wants to work with you does that have a conversation maybe in the boardroom with phil and the game pass team and so forth of hey this could be a good partnership to establish that over there on that side or like you said about scalebound does that just kind of null and void it all i think you have the conversation absolutely i mean you do your due diligence to see if it, it makes sense at all for you know from a business perspective but i think ultimately it's going to land on we tried to do this you know back six seven years ago obviously for whatever reasons happened internally it didn't work they shelved it why are we investing into that now now i'm sure they would want to work with platinum games but probably on a different ip something that could appeal to today's audience more so than what scalebound did yeah, that's a good one right there, Paris. I totally agree. I just, you look at the name Platinum Games, you think back on this, and, you know, a lot of people have compared it to, you know, kind of that live service game pass mm -hmm. modder is what we call it, right? That multiplayer game where you and your friends could jump in because as Scalebound progressed, we saw you can play up to four players, right? All four of you are controlling dragons. You're hacking and slashing large monsters similar to a monster hunter type feel and other words, others beyond that. And so... Does it fit the Game Pass? Hey, let's partner up with this, put it in Game Pass, and will it just come and go? Or are we pass that and we're looking for bigger and better partnerships that might right. be more sustainable than that? But a fun one that jumped into the news this week, I thought we'd all smile and reminisce about Scalebound, the good and the bad. Let me, okay, so this makes me think of like a conversation starter. I'll, I'll, I'll yeah. throw this one out to both of you. What is a game like that? where like no one else would say, like there's no real argument for it to be for it to come back like no one else wants it but you want it what would that game be for you is like if they could if they could do it just because it's something that you personally remember even though like <laughs> when you go oh this game and everyone else goes nah nobody else wants that but like you but you, you care like it's something you want like what is that thing what is that orphan 
child that you would that you would advocate for that game that you would want to bring back well i i just said it before true fantasy online for me because oh, right, I, right, right. I, I i remember seeing that the guy i guess that was like oxm or whatever there was back you know back god 20 years ago however long it's been and i was like wow because you could be a witch and you could fly around on the broom and again it was an online rpg it was completely ahead of its time um i think level five i'm probably screwing up the name of the developer but yeah it just it, it just looked fantastic so i've i've always wanted that game and you know i'm never going to get it unfortunately but uh that would be one like for me if i was if i was phil spencer i'd be like you're making it do it <laughs> i don't care what anyone says wouldn't it be great to be remember i don't know if you heard that story about howard hughes like when he would like at the height of his you know fame and 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 wealth that he had a favorite ice cream and or a favorite ice cream flavor and they stopped making it so he bought the company and just told him to start to start making it yeah. again just so they could have his favorite <laughs> ice cream like, they, like they, I, it'd be so great to be in there like, yeah just just remake this guy i don't give a game if anyone sells it i just want to play it just wanted this right uh, yeah. shoots me down every time i say it but conquer's bad fur day is my dream game to return yeah. i think there is remade. an argument for that yeah, yeah. I, I, I do I feel like there, are, there there are people then more than just yourself mike who would be down uh, there's yeah. a better argument for that so. than scale bound uh, Paris always checks me and it makes me reevaluate and think about it. And I, I think he's right in the long term, even though I want it bad. I just, I think and know in my heart of heart, he's right about that. It's not the right one is right. But those are my games for sure. I like that Paris says that Gary one for you at all. You know, I think for me, it's Crimson Skies. But again, I don't, I, to me, that isn't, I, I say it all the time, but I don't think even that one's that much of an outlier. Like for me, the number mm -hmm. one absolute top one, is NBA Street bring NBA Street Volume Two remake remaster? Or just give up, give us a Volume Four, like bring that back in some way. But again, I think there are arguments that could be made to bring all those games back, commercial and creative arguments. In terms of the one that's like, no one's ever going to want this back, but you. I don't know. I actually, even though I posed the question, I need to think about it a bit more because the ones that I have, I, I think, I, I think Crimson Skies would be brilliant in in the current generation. I think there's some there's some good opportunities for Microsoft. To go back and look at you know some of those some of those older titles, but um, let me think between now and the I, end of the show. If I, I think the one, one that's like a complete money loser, but like I would want it anyway. I'm trying to think what that would be. I got one more before we move on for the go Xbox on. fans out there. Brute Force. I would oh like God. to play yeah. with up the three friends with a nice little first person shooter romp. Brute Force to bring that one back, and I, I'm pretty sure I think we've mo all moved on from Brute Force. But I, I you know, in my heart, what of even heart, was Brute Force? I remember again. the name rings a bell, but it was it was a, it was the first Xbox generation, right? Brute Force. Yeah, it was like the yeah. original Xbox. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What was it? What even was it? I don't remember it. Uh, first person shooter, mixed match team of just renegades and you know uh, different alien species oh, coming Barrett's together. Okay. Bear is 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 on he's the money, money right now. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, he's ready to rock always. So yeah, brute force I think is near and dear to Xbox fans' hearts out there. As you take a look, third person. Oh, my I, actually, I have one more before before we go. <laughs> cameo. Oh, cameo, cameo with a K. Cameo. I would absolutely love cameo to come back. <laughs> that was an Xbox 360 launch title. 360 launch game. Yeah, yeah, it was. Mm -hmm. uh, well, let's keep the show going. Let's have some fun. This one came up in the news. And has uh, had the conversation going online. And it's, what's up with the current state of Halo Infinite? And where are all the players? Question mark right now. Brought up by Paul Tassie from Forbes. He wrote a little article about the decline of player base for Halo Infinite. So at the start of the week, he said, noting this week, Halo Infinite slipped out of the Xbox top five to number six. I know, I know. Hold your pitchforks for a second. And has fallen to number uh, 117 
most played games on Steams. He did note that it does change throughout the day at current peak times, but was at top 40 during peak times when he looked. The quote that he had, but, quote, fact is the game lost about 90% of its players on Steam in two to three months, end quote. Went over to Windows Central where they had a breakdown of the numbers. They say at launch, it peaked at 200,000 concurrent player counts and now hovers at about 10 to 20K players. So, you know, here's the conversation, guys. We are, you know, you can call it two months, but really it has been three months almost since we're recording when it released on November 15th. What is going on with Halo? Is this something we all need to be taking a look at with 343 and saying, where's the player base? Have they all left? Or is this what a live service games as a service game is expected to do with the ebbs and the flows of player counts? I think it's both, honestly. The ebbs and the flows are, are going to happen no matter what the game is. I don't care how good it is, right? But I do think we need to take a look at this. And I, I don't think ring the alarms like, oh my God, this is a, a, a huge thing. But I do think like if you go back to when we reviewed the game, I even kind of talked about this then, that it didn't launch 100% complete. We all know that. Kind of thought coming into it, that wouldn't be a big deal. But as I was playing through the campaign, I kind of realized that it was, that it was missing features. We obviously saw the multiplayer um, issues with the battle pass, issues with having uh, the progression, you know, the battle pass not being as rewarding as people were, were expecting, um, not having enough game modes in multiplayer, lack of map diversity, things like that it's starting to catch up to it now and having this extended long one season one doesn't help because I think we're, we're kind of getting into that point where it's just, we're just doing the same loop over and over. And why are we doing it when I could go be playing something else that might be more, you know, deserving of my time right now. It's not that halo infinite is a bad game campaign or multiplayer. It's just, it needs, it, it needs more things to do. Yeah, I think that's the simplest way to say it, right? And they know that. If you if you follow what 343 has been saying online, um, you know, just, just with, with everything with the updates, they're aware, but clearly it's going to take time for that stuff to happen. I think Joe Staten even came out, was it this week or the week before? He even said something online about this, like they're aware, they're working on it, but it's going to take time to get more of these features implemented into the game like i've done two complete runs on campaign you know since you know during the review period and then i wanted to get the achievement so i went back and did it again but i want to do it on legendary but i'm like ah, i'll just wait till the co-op yep. so that means i'm waiting until may because co-op's not available or i would probably still be playing campaign right now i would love to jump in and do more multi multiplayer but i don't feel like for me personally it's rewarding enough so I'm not going to invest my time in that right now. I'll go do other stuff. And then when I feel it's rewarding enough, I'll come back because it's not a thing of, I don't want to play it. It's just, I know it, I know it's going to improve. So either I'm just patient and wait until it improves or I'm not patient, play something else. And I never come back. And I think that's where the community is where three, four, three needs to continue communicating about what they're doing and keep people updated. Because while I don't think the current, state of you know population health is terrible we obviously saw what it was at its peak so you know what its potential could be so you have that many people that would invest in the halo you probably got a lot of people that are thinking like me of i i want co-op i want i want more more rewards i want the battle pass to feel more satisfying to me things like that right 
and they're just not there yet. So either be patient or, or, or not. I mean, it really comes down to that, but um, yeah, it's, they got work to do and it's unfortunate that it's probably going to take until the summer before we really start seeing this stuff pay off. That is a wild thought, right? Paris. We talked about that, that first three months of kind of the honeymoon phase mm -hmm. into, okay, now we're enjoying this, but like what's next and now looking and going, Oh, it's probably going to be another three months from now. That's a long period to wait, especially because they extended that season one. We saw a lot. I went to Twitter and asked the, you know, best friends out there that follow me on Twitter. Hey, are you still playing? Yes or no. And I know that's a little limited on the options there, but a lot of people said, you know, I've already filled out the battle pass. I'm looking for those rewards. I have nothing to chase now and go after. Right. And so it is interesting with a six month battle pass, essentially where we're at right now, uh, we're going to be here for quite some time working on rewards. You probably already have unlocked. Gary, I want to turn to you. I know you're not the biggest multiplayer guy, but you have been around live service games. You've seen big MMOs live and die off of player counts. Is this something alarming to you when you hear those numbers from Paul Tassi and the team? I think it's I think it's one of the more interesting questions in the Xbox community right now because Halo's the flagship, right? It's it's the big one. Um, and Halo Infinite is the biggest, you know, most ambitious, perhaps most important Halo game that Microsoft's ever done. And, you know, it's interesting. First of all, you know, say I'm not a big necessarily a big multiplayer guy. I wasn't in terms of Halo, but don't forget, Halo Infinite really got its its claws into me over yeah. the over the you know, when, from launch for the first couple of months. I was playing it every minute of the day at lunch hour i would get up early in the morning to play you know that feeling like even when you're not playing it you're thinking about it like the game really really was living rent free in my head for a good couple of months there and the fact that i drifted away from it i don't necessarily see that as an indictment on the game i was really enjoying it but then you know i got to help take care of a newborn plus generally i tend to like burn out i get really really intensely into a game for like a few weeks and then i burn out and move on to the next thing so that's just really more me than the game but looking at these numbers and following the stories as I do, it seems like every day there's like, oh, Kotaku's got a story about, you know, they fixed, you know, big team battles fixed now. But then Polygon's got a story about, oh, but now the fans are unhappy about something else. Like, right. and I get that with a life service game, the to-do list is never done, right? It's like playing whack-a-mole. You, you fix one problem and another one pops up somewhere else. That's just the nature of that kind of game development. Um, but, you know, even during that honeymoon, like, there was a very good description. It was a great honeymoon period, right? Because everyone was so pleasantly surprised by, oh, it, it works. It's not broken. It's actually really fun. The guns you know, look and sound and feel really good. The maps are well designed. This is Halo. You know, like people were just really, really enjoying it. And just even, even in spite of all of the um you know issues you know maybe even during the honeymoon period people were complaining about battle pass progression they were complaining about the cosmetics basically all looked the same like the level 90 armor looked like the level 2 armor so what's the point the 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 the, the stuff you could buy in the store felt overpriced you know the limited game modes like the, these maps are great but you know one or two more would have been nice like that kind of stuff and, and a lot of that was mitigated by the, by the fact that what was there felt really really good but sooner or later, I think the longer you go, as the novelty of that wears off, those those questions do come more to the fore. Like, we want more maps. We want these these concerns to be addressed. And I think um, so far, 343 have done a good job of, like, trying to stay um, as, as well as they can ahead of the curve. But clearly there's a point now where I don't know if the balance is tipping more towards player dissatisfaction or players are putting down their controllers and saying, uh, you know, I'll come back when this is a bit more, you know, when you've addressed some of my concerns. But... I, I wanted to go back to something that Paris said at the top of his comment and kind of ask that question again. Like, do you, I mean, do you think that Halo Infinite has a problem 
or is it just like teething troubles that they're still working out and eventually will get on an even footing and we're, we're kind of seeing them working through those teething troubles right now as the game's still relatively young? Or is there something, is there like a bigger, more concerning underlying issue that needs to be addressed? I don't know. No, I, I, I truly do think this is just a early, early on teething process, so to speak, working out the kinks, understanding the needs of the community and what they need to implement and obviously giving them the time to to get those features in there. Because let's think about this from the multiplayer standpoint, huge feature that's missing is Forge. Because even if you had this extended season right now, if you had Forge, community can just go nuts and make whatever the hell they want and start making all these crazy modes and maps and doing all this stuff. They can basically entertain themselves while 343 works on the other stuff that people are working on, but it's not there. So that's a big gap multiplayer wise. Again, this extended season, like you said, you go through the battle pass, you're done. You're like, okay, now what? You can only have the Friday night big team battle match with your buddies so many times to win. Now you're going to want something else to do. And you're not getting that right now. And they're acknowledging you're not going to get that for a while. So I do think people are just putting their controllers down and they got to come back. They got to come back with the season two and we, we talked about this before and almost treat it as a second launch, both for the campaign and the multiplayer and show, yo, here's the roadmap of all the stuff that we got coming. Get excited for it, because like you said, Gary, it's not that the game is bad. Halo Infinite is a good game at its core. They it, it, yeah. it launched in such a great state. It's just like you said, it being a quote unquote live service game. They kind of ran out of stuff to give us. And, you know, me being a Destiny player since 2014, I know that song and dance very well where Bungie struggled with that for a long time, not giving people things to do, where basically it was like, if you weren't doing the raid, you had nothing else to do. Wait till Iron Banner comes <laughs> in a few weeks because that's it, because you've done everything that you can do until the next DLC comes out. Right. So that's kind of where they are right now. But I, I do think it's still early days. I'm not <coughs> I don't think this is a sound the alarms that 343 doesn't know what they're doing halo infinite is a disaster it's nothing like that it's just they launch great like i'll give you this analogy because i i play the division two i i say to this day the division two had the best launch ever of any yeah, it was great. of life service games ever and then they didn't have anything after that yeah <laughs> it like it stopped <laughs> yeah and this is kind of where 343 is so hopefully they and, and and they've talked about it already. So it, it, it's going to kind of suck waiting until May, June or whenever it's going to be when we get season two and they get co-op out there and they get some more of this multiplayer stuff out there. But I, I just think they got to keep the communication open, you know, with the community and let people know what they're doing. And ultimately, I think they'll be fine. Yeah, that was really well said, Paris. I'll add on to that, Gary. I mean, Paris said it, of course, the game is great. The gameplay itself is perfect. And everybody will tell you that no matter what they've played, right? But we talked about it beforehand as well. They're entering into a market now with Halo that is the traditional arena shooter multiplayer game. And we live in a world now where I know everybody hates hearing me say it. We're in a battle royale world right now, right? Everybody is hot. They want to play that. It's the top three games out of the Xbox top five is Fortnite, uh, Warzone, and Apex, right? And so now you come out with Halo that has a killer gameplay loop. Don't get me wrong. but also. There's only three big team battle maps, which mean me and Paris can play it for one night and we'll be like, man, we've played the same maps over and over again. I'm bored, right? On the flip side, the arena is great, but there's only five arena maps. And so I look at Paris and go, man, we've played the five maps with four game modes. I'm bored now, Paris, right? And so you have this mm -hmm. big uphill battle of 
everybody's on the battle royale train. That's what's kept everybody's attention. You're going to come in with a great online arena. Don't get me wrong, but there's just not enough there to satiate me and keep me coming back. And at first during the honeymoon period, it was enough, right? But in my opinion, now that we're three months in, we talk about this, keeping the player retention, keeping your attention going. You got to come out with more content. And I think the battle pass has kept people going. People like rewards for me personally. I like maps. I like game modes. And I think Forge, like Paris said, would have been great. I would have been relying on the community to make stuff like Infection, like Grift Ball, like so many other awesome game modes that I could have jumped in and bide my time with. But now I turn my attention to 343 and say, man, I can't keep doing the same thing over and over again. You got to give me something because I don't need the battle pass. I just need more of what we're doing to keep this fun and exciting for me personally. And so that's where it's lost me. But I am impressed with so many things they did. I still to this day think that the custom matches are great. They run very well. I'm impressed that we can load up with 12 of our friends instead of being segmented for a big team battle. Like they did a lot of great things, but for me, it's just not enough content to keep me going and keep me interested in all of this. And it's a perfect division two situation. The moment I run out of content, it's time. I need more now, even as fast as you think. It goes by. It goes by too quick. So, and that's and that's why I think these live service games, whether it be Division Two or or Halo or Apex or uh, Destiny, you name it, it's got to be the 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 most stressful <laughs> part of game de game development to be in, right? Because all you're ever hearing from your player base is, more. "Yeah, that was great. What more. else you got? Yeah, right? what else you got?" Right? And and you're constantly trying to stay ahead of that curve. And obviously, it takes much longer to create content than it does to consume it. Um, and so that's why they end up, you know, designing off, often these, you know, these grind, it's like, you know, it's like, we'll just grind this for a while while we come up for, you know, for something new, like repetition is the only way, right. To sustain that loop. And I, you know, I'm inclined to agree with you both. I, I don't think there's a fundamental issue with Halo Infinite. The the point is the whole point that we've all been saying is the fundamentals are strong, right? This game has good bones, mm -hmm. right? The, the core gameplay, the mechanics, the feel, just how it feels to play, like all that stuff, like they hit the sweet spot right out of the gate. And that's why it did have such a good honeymoon period. But again, what else you got? And now there's the issue of keeping up with that, you know, that, that, that content treadmill. Mike, you and I talked last week about BR. Since then, I've been thinking about it. I, I've happened to read a couple of articles and, and, and listen to, uh, other friends on Twitter, people who are still really into Infinite, too, and, and I've heard really good arguments for and against BR. Like I, for me personally, well, let me put, let me do the other side first. I've seen a bunch of people say Halo does not need to go the BR route, and here's why, and they make some some good arguments. But my thing is like, there's nothing fundamentally about Halo that suggests it not being compatible with a battle royale mode. Like, why wouldn't it work? It should work, right? So, and that's where everybody wants to be right now. Like you said, the three of the top five are BRs. Why, why not try it? I mean, I, I just don't, I don't know what they've got to lose. And I kind of feel like it could be really fun. Like, I know for a fact, if they added BR tomorrow, I'd go in, go in and try it. Zeta Halo is tailor-made mm. for a BR game going yep. through that campaign. And, and I joked around on Twitter a couple of weeks ago saying Halo Infinite ODST. We're all ODSTs. Drop us in the Zeta Halo in a BR mode, it would totally work. Now they've obviously said they're not going to do that, but you can't tell me that conversation hasn't happened, and you mm. can't tell me they didn't design Zeta Halo with at least an eye towards that down the road. I don't think it'll come anytime soon. I, I'll but... still, I'll still make the prediction, and it's a long, open-ended prediction that whether it's this year or next or whenever, 
Halo Infinite's going to be around for a while, right? Yeah. It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's a generational game. Somewhere along the line in Halo Infinite's life cycle, before we move on to the next one, there will be a, a battle royale. Yeah. Yeah, probably, I could, yeah, I could, I could, cool. I, I would take that bet. Uh, another one to keep an eye on, of course, is the esports sector. We know that they did really, really well with the esports. The HCS Raleigh brought in a lot of eyes over to the Twitch channel to see the pro players compete, and also it brought in a lot of people playing. Right now, this weekend, HCS Anaheim is kicking off Friday through Sunday. So, something for all of you to go watch if you want to see the pros compete. But also, we'll keep an eye on if that boosts the players over on. You know, Steam and on Xbox, does it also boost more eyes over on Twitch right now? Day one, they had about 50,000 people tuning in on the kickoff of HCS Anaheim. So I wonder what esports has a factor into that and how much that brings in. But guys, I have one final question. Let's talk about it from a viewer, one of the best friends out there, Shinobi3005 writes, Hey guys, much love on all things you do for the Xbox fan base. Since we are in the new year, my question is, what are your yearly predictions for Halo Infinite? Do we see campaign DLC? What else is going to be added to multiplayer? Thanks again. So I want to tie this in to end this. Paris Lily, what do you think 343 needs to do to bring you back as a player, to bring the general player base back and like really boost those numbers? And also, what do you think we'll see this year? Yeah, I kind of just what I've already said at the top. What they need to do is get co-op imp implemented, which, which they will by the middle of this year get more maps for multiplayer, get more multiplayer modes in there as well. Um, streamline the battle pass, make it more rewarding for people, make your progression matter so that people want to stay engaged long-term to continue to want to play multiplayer throughout the rest of the year. Um, I do think when we get to the end of the year, I, I, I can see, well, we know we're getting Forge at the end of the year, but yeah, I do think we're going to get campaign DLC. Not, I won't put any spoilers out there yet for, for the campaign, but They've totally set it up for DLC for, for the campaign. So it wouldn't surprise me at all. But then again, if they're putting all their effort into making sure they fix the multiplayer, that could get delayed. But yeah. I would imagine the plan would be, you know, a year after it launched to have some campaign DLC to continue that story. Gary Witta? Um, you know, first of all, the things that we know are coming and we want, right? Co-op campaign. Uh, mm -hmm. the, the stuff that was promised at the beginning. Um, I think the I think going forward, the majority of their effort is going to be focused on again, just keeping up, you know, keeping ahead of the player base with the live service treadmill, more maps, more modes. Maybe it's BR, maybe it's something else like it. Um, you know, again, they're going to have to continue to tweak the battle pass and the pro progression, the cosmetics, rewards, things like that. That's really how you know that's going to be the life of this game going forward. Um, in terms of like additional like story mode campaign DLC, uh, sure, yeah, why not? I just I I, I just kind of feel like you know they've got limited hours in the day and limited people working on this game. They're they're, they're probably going to prioritize. I think you're much more likely to see you know multiplayer fixes and additions and to see that side of the game involve evolve than uh, than you know additional story campaign stuff. You know, I read this question, I smile because if you asked us this back in November, right ahead of launch, right, my mind would have been. All right, well, at the end of season one, which would have been three months, you would hit us with some multiplayer maps, right? Then we get to May, and you'd hit us with campaign DLC to go along with co-op campaign, right? And then we go into Forge, and we get some more DLC. Now I think to myself, man, come May, I need co-op campaign. We need some more maps, even if it's just four. Definitely need some more maps for multiplayer. Yes. Forge can't come soon enough. I hope that Joe Staten comes out 
and says, hey, the team has done a really great job throughout the start of the new year. We're pushing everything forward and maybe forge is sooner than that nine-month marker because I think we desperately need that. And I am, similar to Paris, right? If you're looking at the roadmap and the trajectory, that campaign DLC now gets really shaky to me, right? I would love to see that in November. Let's end the year off, right? But I don't know if we'll see campaign DLC this calendar year, which is a little sad, but that is my prediction. No campaign DLC for the rest of the year, which is uh, too bad to bring up. But Mike, is that it, is, it, oh yeah, no, I was going to say just that's just going to close this out. I mean, I, I think I know the answer based on just the tenor of this conversation. Are you so? What is it now? How how far past launch are we? What are we looking at? Like four months since launch? Three months? I can't remember exactly. Three months. Most people three months. get on me and say two, but they did release it November fifteenth. You can't tell me they didn't. So it's it's three months. Right. So 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 three months since launch, which is a good milestone, you know, to kind of step back and take stock as we have been doing distilling all that down to like a final verdict and again this is a moving target you know the game's going to continue revolve. but right now today three 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 months after launch are you disappointed with how much the game has grown since like the going from day one to day 90 something wherever we are now do you feel like you're disappointed with how much you've seen out of the game in terms of its growth since launch yeah I thought when you came up with the plan that Halo Infinite would be a platform and we've worked so many years leading up to this uh, that we'd have a better plan for the live service game, right? We look around at the landscape and there's been so many good and bad examples of what you do and do not do. I thought this, this, this team would have a better grasp on what a live service really meant and how you nail that. We definitely have all the circumstances. I don't want to weigh that against them when we look back on the calendar and what we've seen and what we've done worldwide, right? But no, I am a little disappointed. I thought we would have a better roadmap and a better situation that we're currently sitting in three months into the release of this game. All right, well, with that, let's hear a word from our sponsors. Shout out to Chime for sponsoring this episode. New year, new you, maybe a you who leaves behind things that don't serve you. Like those dang overdraft fees. When your checking account balance is running low, the last thing you need is an overdraft fee. But with Chime, an award-winning app and debit card, you can save that hard-earned cash money without paying overdraft fees. Eligible members can overdraft up to two hundred dollars on debit card purchases and cash withdrawals with absolutely no overdraft fees make your first good decision in 2022 and join over 10 million people using chime sign up only takes two minutes and doesn't affect your credit score you can get started at chime.com slash kf games that's c-h-i-m-e.com slash kf games banking services provided by and debit card issued by the Bancorp bank or stride bank na members fdic eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply overdraft only applies to debit card purchases and cash withdrawals. Limits start at $20 and may be increased up to 200 by Chime. See chime.com slash spot me and go to chime.com slash KF games to get started. This episode is brought to you by ExpressVPN. Look, I get it. You don't watch porn. So maybe you're just paying attention to this ad for, you know, a friend. But with everything going on in the world, governments have increased surveillance. They're using your devices to track your location movements and in a lot of places, your internet activity. ExpressVPN reroutes your internet connection through a secure encrypted server so you can surf the web anonymously. Newsflash incognito mode is a sham. Your ISP can still see every single site you visit. But with one click of a button, ExpressVPN keeps others from seeing all the freaky stuff you've been looking at. Yeah. 
talking about you, Nick Scarpino. We've been using ExpressVPN for a long time. It's been keeping me safe, keeping me secure. I just feel better being out on the internet, knowing that ExpressVPN has my back. Protect your privacy today and get three months of ExpressVPN for free. Visit expressvpn.com slash kind of funny. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash kind of funny for three months free with a one-year package. Visit expressvpn.com slash kind of funny to learn more. All right, guys, welcome back. We got some more stuff to talk about. Of course, we got exclusivity talk. It's back again. We said when this whole Activision Blizzard acquisition announcement happened that we would talk about exclusivity until the cows came home for a full year until this went all the way through. And we have some more evolution of this and actually a really, really good one. If you're looking for an insightful blog post and you want to read up on Xbox and really the grand scheme of Microsoft in the future, this is a good one for you because it's coming from the Microsoft blog. Brad Smith, Microsoft president and vice chair, wrote a blog titled Adapting Ahead of Regulation, a principled approach to app stores. And you're probably saying to yourself, Snowbike, Mike, why the heck would I care about an app store and principled approach? What does that mean? Well, it's actually really, really interesting because we do know that this acquisition now will be reviewed by the FTC and we know that regulators might be a little bit harsher on a big deal like this in this world that we currently live in. But the blog details how Microsoft plans to adapt their app store with their growing role and responsibility in the tech space and a vision of a new universal app store ahead of the Activision Blizzard acquisition. But the stuff you really want to hear from this blog, it goes like this. First, some commenters have asked whether we will continue to make popular content like Activision's Call of Duty available on competing platforms like Sony's PlayStation. To be clear, Microsoft will continue to make Call of Duty and other popular Activision Blizzard titles available on PlayStation through the term of any existing agreement with Activision. And we have committed to Sony that we will also make them available on PlayStation beyond the existing art agreement and into the future so that Sony fans can continue to enjoy the games they love. We are also interested in taking similar steps to support Nintendo's successful platform. We believe this is the right thing for the industry, for gamers, and for our business. So, of course, we got to kick it over to Paris Lilly because Paris Lilly, I thought we didn't spend $6.68 billion. I'm so glad Paris is here. <laughs> I thought we didn't spend $68 billion to make games multi-platform. What happened? Paris, you well, really threw down a marker on this one. <laughs> well, to be fair, to be fair, Mark, to be I, fair. The marker down, I threw the marker down on Bethesda, and I was right. About he Bethesda. was. He was. What I, what I said about Activision, obviously, <laughs> being logical, they're going to do the same thing. But we've always said Call of Duty wasn't going to be straightforward exclusive. We thought it would be some hybrid potentially, where Warzone would stay multi-platform or something like that. Look. Ultimately, I'm not going to make an excuse. I was wrong, obviously, with, with what was just said here. Um, it does seem that they're going to continue with existing IPs from Activision that already live, you know, in, in PlayStation and Nintendo ecosystems. That's going to continue, even with new iterations of them that will continue as well, which ultimately is great because you're not taking anything away from people on that platform. They get to still play the games. That's great. Now, you know, and I, I made fun of myself online, but the last little line that I, I said when I made fun of myself about it was, one thing is changing, though. All those games are going to be in Game Pass. Yeah. So that's going to kind of be their selling point of, 
you want to go spend 60 70 dollars to play that game on a playstation right go for it right or you can just subscribe to game pass play it on your xbox play it on a pc or stream it over to cloud that that's going to be their marketing sell point for a lot of that stuff now one thing i'm not 100 percent clear on does that also mean brand new ips as mm -hmm. well from these studios is it if Blizzard creates a brand, because I know Blizzard just announced some new IP. So is that going to be multi-platform or is that an Xbox exclusive? I think the, the, you know, it's still a little muddy when it comes to stuff like that. Because even if you go and look at Bethesda, it makes sense that Starfield is exclusive because it never lived on a PlayStation platform. It never lived on, on Nintendo, right? So it's a brand new game and they're saying, hey, it's a brand new game. We own it now. We're putting it on our, on our platform. Right. So I wonder if they're going to have that same philosophy with a new IP that comes from Treyarch, as an example. Again, you know, act, these Activision studios, high, high Moon, things like that. Or are they going to keep those multi platform? Crash Bandicoot, yes, keep that multi platform. That makes sense. Right. Obviously, Call of Duty, it's such a huge moneymaker. And again, it's a it's a quote unquote live service game. You want these live service games to be everywhere. We're clearly seeing that PlayStation has the same philosophy because Bungie, all their games are gonna continue to be multi-platform. Why limit it to just one piece of, of hardware when you put it on everything, right? So I was wrong, you know, in the grand scheme of things. I'm very happy to be wrong, blessing, blessing. You're right, I was wrong. But um, yeah, I mean, for gamers, this is a good thing, but I, I am surprised that Microsoft is doing this. Is the whole FTC, they want to make sure it gets through a part of this? Maybe, maybe not. Yeah. I know a lot of people have been saying that online. But, I mean, at the end of the day, if you got a PlayStation, Nintendo, you love Call of Duty, you'll continue to be able to play it wherever you want to play it. And that's a good thing. Um, yeah. couple, couple of things. First of all, Paris, uh, uh, <laughs> this, this, this is one that was very easy to be wrong about, I think. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. I always felt that it was a bit of a coin flip. I, I don't remember exactly like what we said back back when but i remember saying something along the lines of like it's tough because there's so much money to be made just mm -hmm. continuing to publish these games on other platforms like and i always said it just comes down to like is there more it, it, is it more financially advantageous to bring these games in house and say well they're exclusive to xbox now or does it make more sense to just keep printing money selling these to playstation gamers as well but there is a little bit more to it than that i think i think phil was looking at the whole picture and thinking well if we were to do that if we're essentially going to take you have to remember, Call of Duty is in a category by itself when it comes to its, its popularity, right? There are millions and countless millions of players out there who play it, who love it. it they're, they're, they're obsessed with it. It's something For many people, it's the only game that they play. And even people who don't know anything about video games have probably heard of Call of Duty. Like, it's, way, it's right up there. So you do have to kind of, it, I think do, different rules do apply when you think about, well, are we going to take this game away from millions of loyal players who've been playing this since, you know, the three or four generations of the PlayStation, are we now going to take that game away from them and say, we've well, got to buy an Xbox now? I could see that backfiring in terms of their public image and goodwill you know, from gamers and stuff like that. So they can keep it multi-platform while at the same time, as Paris said, keep, they, they still got the edge, right? Well, you don't have to pay for it over here. You want to pay 70 bucks? Or do you want to come over here and get it on Game Pass? Plus, the other thing they can do is they can flip, they can turn the tables. It used to be that, that, that Sony... Uh, version of Call of Duty had the edge in terms of exclusive DLC. Like, oh, this mode's only available right. on PlayStation. That's, I guarantee you, that's going to flip. 
Yep. Right. If there's any special bonuses, Xbox players are getting them now in terms of an exclusive mode or exclusive DLC or timed exclusivity on anything. Xbox going to have the advantage on that on on any of those little little uh, little bonuses now. So that's going to that's that's the, the Xbox version is going to be the, the 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 choice going forward. I think for most people. So Microsoft with this approach, I think, gets to have their cake and eat it. It's Xbox going to become the primary platform. Uh, for Call of Duty, but they still get to make a lot of money and not piss off, you know, millions of Sony uh, gamers uh, by by you know effectively taking it away from them, which is what they would be doing. And I'm no expert, but there is a, maybe there is a regulatory aspect to this as well. Like if they're going to be if they're going to be accused of monopolistic practices by taking one of the biggest multi-platform titles in in the video game world off the table. If they now get to say, well, but we're not doing that. Nothing's changing for all these people. Like they still get to play. You know, we're not doing the monopolistic thing. Would be to, which would be to bring it in house. We're keeping this game available to all. So that is a that's maybe an argument they could make in front of a judge if it if it came to that. I don't know how how much that is factoring into their thinking, but I know it, it makes sense to me. Yeah, it was interesting, Paris, and you just brought up that was the question I was going to lean into because you saw the conversation on social media of like. Is this to maybe get the regulators to take a different look or different spin on that as we start to get into this review process, right? Of like, hey, we are going to put it on that or our, that's our plans. Does that maybe put a different spin onto what this whole deal looks like from the outside looking in? I guess moving forward as well, Paris, you brought up a good part of like, this, uh, this is clear, but still not 100% clear, right? Is this the rest of time? Is this future games we've never heard of? Is this, you know, legendary games like Rock Band and Crash Bandicoot? What does this really look like? Only time will tell. But they seem to do another great job of having that corporate speak of like, hey, this is it. It's very clear. But also we can have some wiggle room to keep this moving if need be. The, the way I look at it is this. Again, I'll just use Starfield as the example. So if a, a current Activision studio has the ambition to make a Starfield level game, huge single player experience would that's all again that's uh, like a bargaining chip to get people to invest into your ecosystem so are, are just because that studio started off as an activision studio you wouldn't make that exclusive to your to your your ecosystem to your platform i i don't know i don't know and like i said that part is still a little unclear because they're obviously doing this with bethesda titles right they're obviously doing this with the other individual studios that they've acquired they haven't just said across the board all xbox game studio games from this point forward are multi-platform they're not saying that they're they're doing that minecraft approach where I guess, again, go back to, to Bethesda. Phil Spencer said it then when they initially started that case-by-case -case basis. Obviously, with Activision, for various reasons, is one of those case-by-case -case basis <laughs> where some of those games, if not all those games coming out of Activision, they will continue to be multi-platform. So, I mean, we're not going to really see the effect of any of this 2024, 2025, most likely, for a lot of this stuff. But uh, it'll be interesting to keep an eye on if it's a pick and choose thing or if it's everything i lean towards it's not going to be everything there will be some games that come from legacy activision studios that will be exclusive to xbox it just just seems to make logical sense to me that they would do that but call of duty obviously is the 800 pound gorilla of course oh yeah put that everywhere it makes sense because it's, it's a multiplayer game they're going to want all these live service multiplayer games to be everywhere that makes mm -hmm. sense to me 
I think Call of Duty absolutely is 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 the big one, and that's been the focal point for obvious reasons. But you know, don't forget, you know, Microsoft also bought a lot of other you know pre existing franchises that have right. loyal player bases. And I think that to, to me, I think it's a fairly simple line of demarcation going forward. I think if it's something they bought that already has like a baked in player base, not just Call of Duty, but mm-hmm. Overwatch, Diablo, you know, where people are already on PlayStation playing it, my guess is that you know, Overwatch 3 or Diablo 5 down the road that will continue to be um, available on a multi-platform. But anything new, uh, like this um, like this Blizzard survival game that was just... Right, out, yeah, anything yeah, where there's yeah. like... Anything where, you're, where, where you don't feel like you're taking it away from players that already have, have enjoyed it on their own platform, I think that's going to that's gonna be the difference going forward. And hopefully that's, that's, that's the... You know, that feels like the right balance. But see, that's that's kind of, you know, not to side tangent this into a PlayStation thing, is this an oh. Xbox show, but that's what surprised me about the Bungie thing with, mm. with PlayStation. Like, Destiny made sense, of course. It already lived everywhere. They're not going to change that. But we know they're working on a new IP. And they're also saying that's going to be everywhere, too. So I was surprised to hear that. So, but then when you see what Xbox is saying about Activision, kind of sounds like the same thing, right? So it, it it will be interesting to see how that plays out with, like you said, new IPs, games that we've never heard of before. Will they make those exclusive or will they keep those multi-platform? I will say for the record, because I can sense the comments already, for the record, I don't think any game should be exclusive. Not a one. I go. think every game should be everywhere, personally. But that's not the world we live in. We know that's not going to happen there's going to be business decisions that are strategically made so that some games, again, I keep going back to Starfield. Starfield's going to be a big deal for Xbox that you can only play that via the Xbox ecosystem. That will get people to invest into the Xbox ecosystem. So of course, you're going to see cases like that where they're going to strategically put certain games, the tentpole franchise games, only into their ecosystem because that's just how it works, right? We've we've talked we've talked about this before in the context of an arms race, right? As, yeah. as Sony and Microsoft are acquiring all these developers, and it's feeling like more of a and again, Nintendo is always going to be a, a big player, but just off in the corner doing their own wacky wacky thing. <laughs> but in terms of you know Microsoft and Sony being the two that are going very you know two very like for like systems and like for like audiences, I almost wonder if there is like a sense of of, of both companies trying to kind of multilaterally disarm it's like okay if you keep playing i don't think if they're necessarily having these conversations behind the scenes they might well be phil said he spoke to sony right so it might well be okay well look we'll keep you know we won't we won't bring call of duty in-house and you won't bring destiny in-house like well let's let's just you know maybe there's maybe there's something some kind of detente going on behind the scenes to kind of uh disarm and and not and not have this get ugly and, and that i think that's that's going to be good for gamers um as a whole because you don't want everything to be like super entrenched and the only way the only way to play every even most games out there is going to it, it will be to own both uh systems will be bought into both ecosystems so it may it may well be that both companies are kind of sensing that you know what's what's you know what's you know what's what's good for us is good for them as well and we this this doesn't have to get ugly i don't know I, I think so. And again, leaning more towards on the multiplayer experiences because cross play is starting to become a standard across the board. So it's really blurring the lines. Does it really matter which one you play it on? Everyone's playing together anyway. So just let everyone play together, whether you're on an Xbox, ColecoVision or Vetrex, it shouldn't matter. Just let everyone play together. So and you also have to factor in, yeah, this is an arms race. This is an acquisition race as well, where the industry is consolidating. I look, 
and I, I'm trying to say this the right way because, again, I can sense the comments. I would rather Xbox and PlayStation buy up these studios and these publishers than Tencent or Amazon or Facebook if, or Apple, if that makes sense. I would rather companies that actually know how to make games and have been in, in this industry for decades doing this. If, th if there's going to be a consolidation, I'd rather them do it then the outside tech companies do it and we have no idea how they would handle it. Like I have this nightmare scenario of Facebook acquiring all these studios and they make you log into Facebook to be able to play everything. I don't want to do that. You know, I don't want to play it on the Facebook platform. I would rather continue to play on the platforms that exist today. And that's kind of where it looks like these, these lines are blurring where PlayStation and Xbox are realizing they're better off semi working together than competing apart if that makes sense too right so i think we're going to see more of this where these games are just going to be everywhere not everything but a lot of the 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 multiplayer ones will be it just makes sense Harris, before we get out of this one i do want to circle back to the bungee situation really mm -hmm. quick because of course we talked about it last week me and gary kind of saying goodbye to bungee but also wowed by what that stance was you know you are the bungee guy you love yeah. destiny bungee was you know the creators of halo and into xbox what were your thoughts on playstation picking up bungee oh i was fine with it and i purposely posted all my hours that i've played destiny on the playstation it's like over 2000 i think something like that right but i mean that's where i've mained destiny you know for for the last seven years or however long long it's been so in, in a weird way, it wouldn't have mattered to me if it did go exclusive because I just would have kept playing it on PlayStation. But I don't think, I mean, as a gamer, as this is an Xbox show, no one in Xbox is losing anything with PlayStation acquiring Bungie. The fact that Bungie was able to negotiate basically, yeah, there, it's more of a partnership than an acquisition because they still have all their creative freedom. They're still going to put their games everywhere. Nothing changes for people that love Bungie games. So, hey, good for them. Good for them that they were able to, you know, um, get acquired for almost $4 billion and obviously enrich the people that work at that company and they're going to continue to make great games. And if anything, Bungie, we talk about these live service games and how tricky they are. They're really the only ones that have seemingly gotten it right enough because obviously nothing's perfect. But, you know, like I said, Destiny's been around for like seven years and it's been a roller coaster, but there's been way more good on that roller coaster then there's been bad so if they can share their experiences and their technology with more studios to help them because obviously playstation is going to make more live service games good because you know we brought up the division two as an example um I, I absolutely adored that game when i first first started playing it and then we just ran out of things to do so hopefully bungie now helping playstation studios can help them but you know i, I get it this is an xbox show so what about xbox you're still going to get destiny you're still going to get that new uh ip from bungie as well and we all get to play it together i think i i don't see anything bad about this personally the other the other way to think about this paris and we've talked about this before as well is the idea of you know this this all becoming less and feeling like less and less a thing worth talking about as we get closer to the yeah. to the kind of the cloud gaming future because think about it right what, what does it mean for a game to be exclusive on a platform well it means you have to own that piece of hardware right if you want to play halo and uncharted you have to own an xbox and a playstation but microsoft has very clearly kind of laid out what it wants the future of gaming to be about right which is it's not 
necessarily dependent on you owning a Series X or a Series S, but maybe it's a, in the future, it's going to be a smart TV app. It's going to be a dongle. Mm -hmm. It's going to be an app on your phone. We're already halfway yeah. there. They're getting closer and closer and closer to that. Sony, we know uh, uh, they're somewhat behind in this, but we know that they're bringing out a Game Pass equivalent that we're probably going to see this year. I think that they're going to have the, you know, their own cloud initiative is, you know, they, they, they're going to try to match Microsoft move to move. So maybe in a couple of years, the idea of, um, you know, being a multi-platform gamer is going to, you know, and playing Halo and also Uncharted or what I'm being able to jump back and forth between those two ecosystems is less about having a an Xbox and a PlayStation under your you know, TV and more about just, you know, the equivalent of like, well, get, I have Netflix and I have Disney plus. I just play for both those subscriptions and I get a ton of content. You know, I'll have, I'll have a game pass app and I'll have a Spartacus or whatever it's called app. And I'll yeah. have, you know, I'll, I'll, and I'll have, you know, I'll have everything that, that I want. It's, I think it's going to look, I think we're just going to care less about these boundaries as, as time goes on. Oh, I, I 100% agree. I already don't care personally. I mean, just you go where the games are. And like <laughs> you said, as as cloud gets more integrated and like you said, it, it's not going to matter. The, they're bringing the, the the best way to look at it is Xbox has started it. You're seeing PlayStation take kind of take the same initiative. They're bringing the games to where the people are versus telling the people to come to where the games are. That That's it. I mean, it's really that simple. They're 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 not forcing you to be locked into a particular piece of hardware where we're going to get to that point one day. And, and that's a good thing because that's, it's just about playing the games. I really could care less where I play them. Well, that's some more exclusivity talk for you or more, I guess, inclusivity because it's coming everywhere. So get ready for that, but let's keep it moving. Let's round out the show. A nice little celebration of some player counts that you really want to take note of. Benji sales over on Twitter, friend of the show, put out another great tweet. Of course, we know about Sea of Thieves hitting 25 million plays. We know Halo Infinite hit 20 and Forza Horizon 5 hitting 18, but we got two new games getting some cool milestones. One game that I know we all loved here on this panel, Minecraft Dungeons hitting 15 million players wow. and Grounded yeah. now hitting 10 million players. Grounded is still in early access, not even out with its 1.0 release, but you got to see the team over at Obsidian celebrating Grounded and that 10 million player milestone. The dev team celebrated with a fun video you can see online. And they also released a dynamic theme for Xbox Series X and S users to enjoy. That's out right now if you want to update your background on your Xbox and have some cool backyard settings. And of course, they are looking towards that full 1.0 release that is slated sometime later this year. So something to keep an eye on. But uh, congratulations to Minecraft Dungeons and Grounded for hitting those player milestones. Big numbers. For both of those games. Oh, absolutely. And so with that, guys, it's time to get out of here. It's Friday. It's the end of the week. We had the whole crew here together. It was nice to chat with all of you. And I can't wait to hear about Redacted later on. We'll talk more <laughs> about that. But until then, all of the Kind of Funny best friends, everybody watching and listening, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Kind of Funny X-Cast. We will catch you next week. See you, gamers. <laughs>